J.P. Morgan once said, Gold is money. Everything else is credit. Keep this in mind as I discuss today how the discovery of gold deposits in Uganda will end up influencing the global financial market and how that will impact you personally. My name is Dr. David Walalu and you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. Before I proceed, make sure you hit that like button so we can further the algorithm to move, move us up forward. So, and also, if you have not subscribed, please do so. Do you want to know how to differentiate between the truth and lies? Check out our free PDF, Three Ways to Know If You Are Hearing the Truth or Lies. And you can check it out at geopoliticsinconflict.com forward slash truth or lies and start being in control of your own truth. Let me start with this provocative statement, you know. How much will gold impact the global financial system? Or do you even wonder why countries now are hoarding gold? Is it the beginning of the end for the US dollar? Since we have stayed away from the gold? Those are basic questions that we need to think about moving forward as we see the changes in the global landscape moving in other direction from what we used to be or what it used to be for the last 70 plus years. So here's the thing. Uganda's president, Yawari Museveni, recently announced the discovery of a major gold deposit that is worth about $12.8 trillion. This discovery has the potential to completely redefine everything in the global economy, from the balance of geopolitical power to the foundation upon which the world monetary system is built. Just think about it. There is a total of $2.7 trillion of US dollars in existence. Uganda's discovery is more than six times the amount of the US dollars in the world. However, this discovery takes place within the context of a few serious hurdles because Uganda has major outstanding loans to China. The U.S. has already sanctioned Uganda. <laughs> what a surprise, huh? No. Much of the latter's conflict gold is alleged to be a major source of funding for current conflicts in the Congo. But I am not here to talk about Uganda specifically. Rather, focus my analysis on how this discovery, along with other natural resources in Africa, has already triggered a fierce competition among major powers, mainly Russia, the US, and China. So the key question we ought to ask ourselves is this. Will this uh, $13 trillion treasure transform Uganda into a wealthiest nation in the world? How might China play into this monetary resetting? Might this make the emergence of a rapid escape from the US dollar hegemony? Those are basic questions that we need to ask. But the latter one, the latter question is of great importance. Why? Because of the current global trends, mainly when considering how countries like India, Russia, China, Iran, and others are trading using their own currencies instead of the US dollar. So the logical question becomes, 
Are these countries moving towards establishing a new currency that is backed by gold? Is it going to be backed by gold? The answer is a resounding yes. And that's where Uganda comes in. Now, allow me to briefly explain as I provide you examples to make my case. This year, the official BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa summit that took place uh, on June 24th of this year under the Chinese presidency. While the geopolitical turmoil across the world appear to be intensifying, there are various other interesting developments taking place within and around the BRICS nations. The series of events before and after the summit forces one to delve deeper into what BRICS as an economic bloc is up to. The divergent reactions of each of the countries to the imminent events, including the Ukraine conflict, for example, the Taiwan Strait, the energy crisis in Europe, among others, is telling enough. While the BRICS bloc is still consolidating itself, there were also conversations around, including Argentina, Saudi Arabia, being added to the fold. Indonesia, Kazakhstan, United Arab Emirates, Nigeria, Senegal, and Thailand are potential strong contenders for the future membership. So, given this and other happenings around the block, it is important that we analyze these developments from a finance, from a finance-centric lenses, especially world economic recovery trade, financial aspects, and monetary cooperation. So, let us consider for a moment the BRICS Bank, which was launched in 2014. Uh, and I argued in some of my previous writings that this new institution, financial that is, has the potential to do two things. A, influencing the balance of power among the multilateral development banks, and B, breaking the dominance of the industrialized Western countries, which has been unchallenged since World War II. Could this also create an imbalance of sort? Allow me to share this uh, few thoughts with you about this. So the balance of power in the global economy, which has shifted rapidly towards the East, that means towards Asia, since the end of the last century, is still not reflected 100%. The BRICS countries have 13% of the voting rights at the World Bank, despite representing 46% of the world population and just under 20% of its income. By contrast, the G7 countries have over 41% of the voting rights. The key industrialized nations have failed to deliver on their promise of ensuring that the other countries are given a greater voice and more representation within the global development finance architecture. This has also removed any incentive for major emerging economies to assume a greater responsibility for the global economy and for the production, for that matter, of global public goods. 
But here's the thing, there is a conversation among experts. Given how the West is embroiled as a party in the ongoing conflicts in Ukraine, some analysts, I'm included, argue that it is, the West is unable to resolve the crisis, which might take an ugly turn in the near future. Therefore, there is a larger responsibility now on the BRICS to step in on the global stage. At the BRICS foreigner ministers meeting in New York, which just happened last week uh, on the sideline of the recent UN, uh, United Nations General Assembly, all the member countries of BRICS restated concerns that they have been articulating in the past. For example, they've been arguing about the multilateral reform that are much needed, commitments to the UN Charter, faith in an international institutions such as the World Trade Organization or the G20, among others. As I argued uh, previously that BRICS is not living up to its expectations and is not employing its full potentials, this is the right time for BRICS to take proactive action in resolving crises like, for example, the one in Ukraine. Because remember, China and India are the two countries in the world today which have maximum influence over Moscow. They have maintained neutral possessions on, on Ukraine and therefore command unique goodwill in Moscow. So today, the expansion of the BRICS gains new momentum with China's support for the entry of countries such as Argentina, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. The great challenge, in my opinion, lies in the form and priority that must be given to the expansion process. And ultimately, in the trust that BRICS members place in each other. The expansion of the BRICS is not the only way to increase the strength of the bloc itself. Because BRICS needs to have a dialogue with the rest of the world. It is also necessary to monitor the commitments made and strengthen the coordination of the bloc with the community of, for example, Latin American and Caribbean states known as the CALAC, with ASEAN, Association of Southeast Asian Nations, with the African Union, with G20, and the UN for that matter. And the question becomes for us is, where to go from here? I have researched this topic to the best of my abilities, not only for my Iran and Russia books, but also for the sake of understanding where the trends are headed. So I could prepare a plan in case the dollar, US dollar that is, collapses. Existing scholarships has not systematically examined BRICS as a rising power. De-dollarization coalition, despite the group developing multiple de-dollarization initiatives to reduce currency risks and bypass US sanctions altogether. So the creation, for example, of the sub-BRICS and the BRICS Plus levels suggests a change is in the making. 
This framework identifies the leaders and followers of the BRICS de-dollarization coalition, assesses, for example, its strength, and determines how BRICS mobilizes other stakeholders. One thing is sure, BRICS de-dollarization initiatives have established critical infrastructure for a potential alternative non-dollar global financial system. There is no doubt that BRICS' foremost achievements have been in the area of financial cooperation, as evidenced by the establishment of the New Development Bank, or known as NDB, the Contingent Reserve Arrangements, CRA, and various other financial coordination mechanisms. But it is also an open question whether the accelerated de-dollarization process in Russia and China triggered by their growing tensions with the United States is only a temporary change or whether it forms a broader paradigm shift in the global financial system. And to give it some uh, context, the share of the United States dollar in Russia and China bilateral trade settlements fell from nearly 90% in 2020. Moreover, Russia and China have launched their own cross-border payments mechanisms as an alternative to the U.S.-dominated Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, or SWIFT, network. So you may ask yourself, where does gold fit into all this? Which is a logical question. If China and Russia showed that they held more gold on a combined basis than the United States, this would eventually and symbolically be a blow to the U.S. dollar, to the possession of the United States in the global economy. China and Russia have been quietly accumulating gold as a reserve to back up their currencies in the future, according to Ronan Manley of the Singapore Bullion Star. And we will provide you a link to all this. This is likely, in my opinion, to be part of a design strategy to move away from international trade dominated in the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar, like many other currencies, is no longer backed by gold reserves. Although there is some dispute about how much gold the United States has in its reserves, including amounts held on behalf of other countries, such as Germany and France. And we'll provide you a link for all this. This brings me back to the beginning of my talk about Uganda and its gold treasure. And that's why I said the competition in Africa among those major powers is going to be very fierce. Let me conclude with this. As their relationship with the U.S. have both worsened in recent years, China and Russia have moved closer to jointly de-dollarize bilateral trade while promoting the use of local currencies in trade settlements. And when adding Iran, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Argentina to the mix, you are guaranteed to witness a change in the global financial system. I think, and I could be wrong, but this is my, my own assessment. I think by 2025, the BRICS will significantly increase 
their share in the world economy and trade. A new global financial system with the significant presence of these countries compared with the current situation will be created. Or maybe even a financial system of its own allowing the economies to support each other. Here is my question for you for today. Actually, I have two questions. Can BRICS de-dollarize the global financial system? The second question is, does BRICS have potentials to resolve global issues? Make sure you leave me your comments and I will respond. As always, prepare yourself for a changing world order. Till next time. Bye-bye.